C'è la luna mezza mare, mamma mia, mamma redare. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Hollywood Godfather Podcast. Here we all are again, the three musketeers, Pat, and yeah, we're, we're, we can actually say now we're remotely apart also. Everybody's mm-hmm. in quarantine, like all the big news bureaus. I feel like we're important now. We're in separate <laughs> screens and not in the same room. <laughs> How you doing, Megan? I'm good. How are you guys? Uh, pretty good. Yeah, here we Scattered are. all over the country here, but yeah, we're good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The good that. news, we're busy. That's the good news. Oh, that's what counts, man. Mm-hmm. Well, tonight's show... So I understand show... today you're going to share something with us of a personal nature, your relationship with uh, somebody that our audience may not be aware of, but they will be shortly. Oh, yeah, my God. It's, it's ironic. I got called by a guy called Maya Lansky. And he Everybody said, knows him. Yeah. And uh, I, I was in the company of Frank Costello because they normally talk on the house phones of the of the Waldorf Astoria. So it was around lunchtime, and he uh, he was talking, not on speakerphone. They didn't have them then. <laughs> and uh, I I realized the conversation with Costello and Maya went to me. And he said he's sitting right here. And they talked for a couple more minutes. He said, oh, he'll come down. And he said, here he is, talk to him. So I love doing Maya's voice. Johnny, how's everything? <laughs> I said, great, Mr. Lansky. You can call me Maya. You know that. I told you, you can call me Maya. I said, okay, Mr. Maya. Well, he said, I would take out the mister. I was playing with him. I was that friendly with him at that time. He said, I have two lads down here that I think need your help. I said, okay. I said, you want to fill me in on it? He said, when I see you on Lincoln Road. <laughs> you don't talk on a phone, right? Right. So I went down. Well, I thought maybe, you know, they, they, they need him to pick up a suit for them or something. I don't know what they want. Yeah. So I fly. Well, when was this? Put this into perspective. How, how old were you at the time? I'm, uh, I'm 61 or 62. I mean, 1961, 1962. Oh, okay. I was 18, 19 years old like that. And so I I fly down. I said, I'll be down Wednesday, okay? He says, yeah. So I meet with him, and then he takes me to a place that they hang out all the time. And I was introduced to a guy called Jay Weiss. And Jay Weiss owned a lot of package stores, uh, liquor stores, before he opened up Southern Wines and Spirits, which Southern Wines and Spirits today from then to now, still operates, still privately held by a lot of friends of ours. Mm. And to, currently, they're doing $17,500,000 a year in gross sales. That's a lot, it's a lot of booze that you have to pick up at the curb. Well, they're, yeah, well, they're, now they're all over the world. Southern yeah. Wines and Spirits is probably the largest distributor of spirits and wine in the world. Wow. Mm. And Jay was having a problem and we knew that from the book, what we told them. I went with the water guns. I had a, a, yes, right, yeah. a, a, right. a creative way of collecting it, and it impressed them very much. <laughs> yeah, those of you who didn't read the book, we have an episode in there where Gianni uses some uh, street smarts and ingenuity to collect the debt. Right. And you can't make this stuff up, man. You, gotta, you have to read it if you haven't read it. All right. And we're talking about Hollywood Godfather, which the show yes. is named after. Yeah, they were that book. Yeah, yeah that book. <laughs> so with that said... He introduced me to a guy called Al Malnick. And Al is 10 years older than me, so he would be like, you know, his late 20s, early 30s. And I met him at the penthouse on 79th Street Causeway, only to find out, like, he owned so much stuff. This at guy, that age? Yeah, at that age already. I mean, yeah. and his education, I don't know if, if anybody knew anything about this guy before we get into me going forward with him his his past in just 10 years he amassed an amazing situation I mean his schools I mean first of all when I met him he started dating wildly he, he left his wife already and was going through all kinds of women and with that said he you know he he Went to school down in Miami for some strange reason and, and graduated law school down there 
and then got into the army. And I can't believe what this guy's done in the army. In the army, he became, I'm, I'm trying to get my notes ahead of myself here. He became a guided missile officer. <laughs> How old? He must have been young. 22, 23 years old. War. Yeah. Just about after the war, though, given his age. Right. I think probably right. late 40s. 50s. Right. I mean, how does how does it becomes captain in the army, like twenty six or twenty seven years of age? Well, I tell you how it generally happens. If 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 you go in, if you're a professional, you're a lawyer or a, a doctor, you go in to the to the military with the rank. Then, no matter what branch you're in, with some rank. Yeah. Uh, generally, a lawyer or a doctor goes in at the rank of captain. Oh, okay. Oh, well. But how he wound up in a missile unit is is beyond me because you, you go into the AG, uh, the uh, you know the where the lawyers operate, JAD, mm -hmm. uh, Judge Advocate Group. Uh, well, he he did graduate Washington University yeah. with a bachelor's degree and uh, the highest honor in the class for that year, yeah. and then he went into the army. And that's maybe what you're saying. Maybe it was an yeah, he, ROTC. Yeah, he, he went into JAG and was probably assigned to them for some reason because uh, they had a lot of legal issues. I mean, okay. guided missiles. I guess you oh. have them. Who knows? But still, yeah, you, you, I have to ask myself, why did he go into the army? You know, it's something you don't have to do. Well, that's what I didn't know. Because he just yeah. come out of college and he went into the army. So then he comes out of the army and he goes to my he goes, goes to Miami. And he goes to Miami University, it's a school of law. And he graduates there, top of the class. And he hated the weather in St. Louis, that's where he was from originally. And he stayed there. And his clients, I guess because of Meyer, <laughs> I can't believe how he got the top people in the world. I mean, the names, he had Huntington Hartford, the heir of AP grocery stores, as his client, his only client, has his only lawyer. And this is you're telling me this is fresh out of law school. Yes. Hello. Well, I, I obviously had a little help there. Yeah. I, I would think I would think my. Well, the, when you go through the list, like a very close friend of mine, Ben Novak, who owned the Fontainebleau Hotel, yeah. Al becomes his lawyer. <laughs> yeah. Well, like they say, who who you know, but that's the who's who of who you know. This is yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. no, it gets it gets better than that. My. Morris Landsberg, who, who took over the Flamingo Hotel in Las Vegas after they killed Bugsy Siegel, he becomes his lawyer. I mean, this is insane. Dan Lefter, Marco Polo Hotel. Sam Cohen, the Riviera Hotel and Casino. I mean, this guy had a group of people. Then he became a personal um, law advisor to the royal family of Saudi Arabia. Yeah, but what has he done lately? <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> and, and over 10 years, this is what he did. And he mastered all this stuff. And then he started a film company with Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, and Debbie Reynolds. And they made, really? and they, yeah, and they made a TV company, which I know of it, and they sold that for a ton of money. Do you recall the name of it? No, I got to look that up. I mean, I okay. remember the company because they were. Well, it must have been huge with the, all with those names involved. Yeah, right. And and not only that, it was a situation where they were like in competing with television with Desi Lu Productions. I, I want to say, and I think I'm right because of the people who owned Lorimar. Yeah, it's. I think they made that into Lorimar, his company. Okay. And they because at the time, Desi Liu, well, it was at the uh, inception of, uh, of the television age. Exactly. They, they were the biggest of the big. Right. And then, uh, uh, Lucille Ball and her husband, uh, Desi Arnaz, were the first ones to invent the, th the three-camera system. Right. You get, huh. the sh sh you get shot with three cameras. Right. That was them. Aside wow. from that er very early television, it was one camera. Yeah, and I know. They, and, they and it looked like it. This. I mean, and that's exactly what you're saying. Plus... My recollection, this is when they started to do scripted series for television rather than yeah. running old movies and just comedy hours and talent yeah, right. shows yeah. and all that. The early 50s. Right.
So he 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 sold all of that up, all of that, and then he he owned. He just liked nightclubs. He started buying up nightclubs and creating nightclubs. I mean, his ownership, and basically got into the restaurant business on a bet, because there was no good restaurants in Florida. Well, he could open one of those up around here. Yeah, hello. Yeah. Hmm. But he opened up. He opened a place that I was there for the opening. Called the Forge, on Forty Second Street, on Forty First Street. And was that a steakhouse? Major steakhouse. Yeah, I know it. If that was around a long time, if it's not still around. It's still around. Yeah, they, right. I'm they, right up for it. They just That's invested another ten million in it. Wow. And the and the Forge restaurant, it opened, I'll tell you, it opened its doors. I was there in 1968. I was there. That year it won the International Grand Masters Wine Award. <laughs> it was voted the number one steakhouse in the world by Wine Spectrum. And the and the Forge today has the, currently has the largest three thousand bottle wine cellar and the largest single collection of Chateau Lafitte Rothschild in the world. When did this guy find time to practice law? <laughs> he didn't anymore. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, he no, no, really, I'm serious. Did he have an active law practice, or did he like have just a couple of clients and the rest of it was? No, he had these clients. Yeah. He wasn't taking on cases. He didn't have a business card, or you can call oh, it. That's that's what I meant. No, no, no. His all okay. at the at the age of the late twenties, he was the sole lawyer for the Teamsters Union out of St. Louis. Well, that's the only client you need. Hello. <laughs> so I mean, it, it, but he just went, but the stuff that he created, he created the My, uh, Miami Sky Lake Country Club in Coconut Grove. He co created a Coconut Grove shopping center, which had like six restaurants in that. He opened the legendary cricket club and restaurants. I mean, the stuff he did is like totally nuts. How and did you meet him? I met him through Jay Weiss. Jay Weiss takes me to the penthouse, which he just opened on 79th Street Causeway. And he was having a couple of problems and... I helped him with little stuff, and then there was a major problem where uh, a, a, a young Italians thought they were going to put the arm on him, and because Al Alan structures about five five, maybe if he had elevated shoes on and they were on the second floor, but he's, <laughs> <laughs> and little guy, a little guy, very very slim, still that way. I mean, he I just celebrated with him and his wife as their 25th anniversary, which we'll get to, Nancy Melnick. And between Nancy and uh, his first wife, he has 10 children. He had five with his first wife and five with his second. But the interesting thing is his wife, I mean, his first wife had a set of twins. His second wife had a set of twins. And they had got leukemia, special strain of leukemia. With all the seven kids prior, nobody can get a match from stems to help them. Oh, a stem cell. Right. right. So he developed, along with a company he started and still funds, privately funds it. And, he, and he's the, the sole benefactor to it. They created this whole company, which now they created for Nancy embryos in a lab to clone the two previous kids so the stem cells are there. Wow. They gave birth, had to wait a year till the stem cells matured. They implanted them, and they've been in remission ever since. Well, this, that's a hell of a story. I mean, I tell you, in fact, now that we're saying we should call him, he's got a book. In, I mean, 10 books. I, mean, I was just going to say that if he had somebody somewhere along the line had to have approached him for his life story just for the, the, the broad scope of his life. Oh, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's totally insane. I mean, and he's still, and he's doing what now? I'm, I'm going to wait till we get this. Still, oh, what was the, wait, he ain't done, he ain't done. But, no, I know that, but he's, he's active, he's an active guy. Oh, yeah. Constantly. I, I talked to him over the week a couple of times on something else. But he owns right now the AM, AML Research Fund, 
It's all about Melatoya leukemia. And he created this whole thing. It funds it, millions and millions of dollars. He's the largest, him and his wife and family are the largest contributor to Make-A-Wish in the world. Annually. That's, that's things you don't hear. This is a guy that doesn't like the limelight, I guess. Right, right. And he didn't. I mean, he, he doesn't. He do gets it, it whether that. he wants it or not, but he doesn't seek it. No, right. I mean, yeah. So I mean, to me, I got to know the guy, and we did so many things throughout the years, because you know, uh, it's funny. He found out that I, I had a party for the king of Malaysia, and the. Hey, why wasn't I invited to that? <laughs> I, I didn't know you then. Yeah, come on. It was I, it was in Malaysia. You called. I wasn't home. I and, and and the Sultan of Brunei sent me like five hundred thousand dollars to get some Hollywood figures to come, and sent a seven forty seven for when Can we asked what you got. Oh yeah, I got everybody. That I'm going to give you the names. So he he gave me the money and they brought it to me in a, in a double bag. Don't ever bring me cash. So I did a favorite nations for all the, all the celebrities. I gave him twenty five thousand each. For the weekend, we're leaving on Thursday, coming back on a Monday morning, and you're going to be with the Sultan of Brunei for the King's birthday party in Malaysia. Yeah, one and, time he was the richest man in the world. Right. So he gave me a list, but the list he gave me were like all beast, be actors. I could get all of them. I got every one of them. Come. Like, like who? I mean, well, the who, only, who, who are you about to call a be actor? Yeah, right. Well, I, <laughs> well, okay, James Garner. He was already a TV actor. Not a, he didn't, you know, I'm saying, not asking for Pacinos. Yeah, right. So I put Diana Ross, I put Shirley MacLaine, I put uh, about 12 people like that. They played tennis. Bobby Riggs I got. He liked his yeah. name. You know, and so I went over there. I hosted it all. But I only spent 250000 The other two hundred fifty, I kept. Oh, my God. Gee, hard to believe. <laughs> no, but why I mean, I'm bringing uh, it up? I find out new things about you all the time. Why I bring it up though? Al Malnick at this time now is living as a bachelor on the Boca Ranch, the Malnick Ranch. Which 40, is where? What? Where, where is it? Boca Raton. Oh, Boca Raton. Mm-hmm. Forty-two acres, and he wants to sell it. Now I spent many a days down there. This guy put a canal on it and created guest houses and you took a boat to come to his main house. Oh my gosh. He didn't want anybody driving on his property. When you parked, the valets took your car and put them in a garage. And that was it. He, he liked clean air. He had a hundred horse stable with Arabians in it. None of those horses cost less than 100000 200000 then. Was this a business like he put him out to stud, or just like that horses are? No, he just he did it. He, he it was big thing then, but the yeah. Sultan's sister was in Wilmington, Florida, which is a boy, big horse thing, and she was being uh, housed and hosted by Frank Stallone, who happened to be Sly's father, who's yeah. big in horses, and Al Malnick hears about this. He says, we got to talk tonight. I said, okay, perfect. He says, I, I want to sell this. I, I have another idea. I want to sell the whole ranch. He says, I want you to sell it. You'd be the only broker on it. I want $23 million. I'll give you 5%. I'll pick up a million, one fifty. And how did you possibly go about this? He wanted the Sultan's sister to come and see it. Oh, so that was your first client? Your last client? She bought it. <laughs> I was in the oh realty business. Sure. How, 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 how did I guess that? Sure, short-lived. <laughs> and I, you know, and we went over. He had a collection of amazing cars. Al still does. He has a subterranean garage in his new house, which we'll get to. That opened in uh, 2000. I was there for that. And I sent you some pictures so that you could tell our audience of why this is so important. It's crazy when we get to that part. So now... I, I call Frank Sr., I mean, Stallone, because there's a Frank Jr., and he's, he's got her all over the place, and they have to polo things on Sunday afternoon. And, I, you know, here I was a younger-looking guy yet, and I go there. I meet this girl. 
I have to say this, the kindest way I could say it, she should have been twins, not to carry the burden alone. This broad was ugly. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like a Rodney Dangerfield joke. I Mm. could not believe this girl. And she like, I met her at at the party briefly. I wouldn't look at her even. She was at the King's party in Malaysia. <laughs> so now, and she's like all over me, like we were dating or something. And I, I'm trying to, you know, you know when some, I don't know if you know any ugly girls, but when they come around you, you really don't, hey, how are you? I got to go someplace. Wait, I'll be right back. She was doing this. You don't want to get caught in the same picture. Well, not only that, but this was going on during a cocktail party at the Polo Club at Wilmington. I mean, at, uh, uh, Wilmington. Like, who's who is there? Everybody's polo horse. I mean, this is the old money, Palm Beach money, where they kept their horses. And I was a young guy bouncing all over the place. So now, finally we get into terms. We're talking or whatever, and she couldn't believe the horses were included. He just wanted out. We come to the deal, like two or three weeks of paperwork going back and forth, clean this up, that up, this, that, the other. In the last stipulation... Malna calls me up. He's well, you made the deal. I should kidding me. He's well, it's really up to you if you want to close it. I said, what are you talking about? Close it. He said, I think you should come over. So I knew something was up. So I come over from my house to his house. And the last paragraph is all stipulated that if I was put into the deal. You you were part of the deal. But I thought I said, I'm in the deal. Tell her you're gonna pay my commission. He's no, 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 no. She wants you to be a part of the you sale. Part of the deal. Oh my gosh. I said, Well, I guess she ain't so selling she, the rest. So, so let me get this straight. She wants the, the, the hundred Arabian stallions and the one Italian stallion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good a good, That's good. Uh, description. All right. No, but so I mean you do? I, I I couldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. Is you kidding me? You're gonna walk away from a million dollars? I said, Yep. What, yeah. was, what was your end that had you have not been in it? One million one hundred fifty thousand. Oh wow! And, and, and you, you walked away from that. Oh yeah. Oh, so I, when, I, when somebody says you're the old show, how how ugly was she? Now I now I understand. She was a million one hundred fifty thousand. Fifty thousand worth of ugly. All right. <laughs> you ever hear anything called divorce? You, you've had one or two of those. No, I I did, but. You, you no, take the one million and, and, and change, and you know, you're not, you find I, yourself a good lawyer. Well, you, 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 you were the only Malnick, one. Malnick has to divorce you for nothing. But, <laughs> but, you know, see, he realized too. He knew what I was doing in Vegas already by that time. Yeah. So why would I saddle myself with this crazy lady? Hmm. I've had a lot of people, not that I'm bragging, but a lot of older women with money wanted to go out. Did they? Did, but did that piss him off? The, the deal was made. No, 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 no. You know, he wound up making mon- more money. He subdivided. Oh, no, he subdivided the land. Oh, okay. And Boca, that that whole Boca Ranch now has got estates on it, and his hindsight is twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Three or four years later, Boca went crazy. But mm. now, uh, I mean, you got to understand this guy's sixtieth birthday party. He had five hundred people. Five hundred people. That's insane. And I'm sitting I don't with. Think I know 500 people. I'm sitting with. <laughs> and I'm talking about caviar, lobster, steak. I'm sitting at the table with a lot of old guys that came in from all over the country, and and one being Maya Lansky, and uh, he says, Johnny, Johnny, tell them to lower those speakers. I says, Maya, he says, I can't tell them that. I'm telling you to. I said, that's earth, wind, and fire. He paid a lot of money for them to be. Yeah. <laughs> oh my he had RuPaul as the MC. <laughs> well, well, that that's a dive, diverse. That's amazing. Uh, no, <laughs> I mean, this guy I, I can go on and on and on and on. So, who were some of his most famous friends? Name them: Sinatra. You name anybody. Anybody. What was his relationship to Michael Jackson? Well, he lent let Michael Jackson his last $30 million. I, I'm watching the news, like Entertainment Tonight, and I see him come out of the new house. Because he, he, he moved into that house, which we'll get to in 2000. But you jumped to Michael Jackson. He lent him the last $30 million. Well, he needed the money? 
Michael, oh yeah, Michael was done. Michael borrowed five, 50 million from the Bank of America, but he had the collateral. Well, he, he, he put up his ranch, uh, Neverland or whatever. I'm going to tell you one better. What? Because mm -hmm. how I found out about it, and I'm sure, I don't think my, I'll get mad at it, public knowledge now. We'll, we'll find out. Both one, yeah, I know. I know. So, I, <laughs> so I, uh, I called Al. I said, Al, what's Michael Jackson doing in your house? He's all these kids in there. He said, Oh, he's harmless. He's harmless. Yeah, yeah. He's on <laughs> trial. He's going to trial. Yeah. He said, and you made a deal with him. He said, Yeah. I said, I lent him thirty million dollars. I said, How are you going to collect? He said, Johnny, how well do you know me? I said, I know you well. He said, You're going to find out. It took me years to find out, because as the trial went on, behind the scenes, Al Malnick calls. Oh, he made the deal. No, he calls the Bank of America and said, how are your stockholders and chairman taking this? If this ever got out that you lent him 50 million, and they said, we just had a meeting on it. Al said, I'll take you out for 50 cents on the dollar. Give him 25 million. Now he's in 55 million. I says, why? He says, you know what the collateral was? I said, no. I said, like you, Neverland doesn't could be worth nothing. Right. He owned the Beatles catalog. Oh, oh I know that, yeah. He the well, Beatles that's catalog. it. Okay. Guess who owns the Beatles catalog now? Not Al Malnick. To today. Really? He sits on the board of Sony because of it. That's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. I know. Hello. The guy's a genius, man. It, uh, it explains to the listeners who don't understand what a catalog is, a music catalog. A music catalog, anything the Beatles recorded was sold. I don't know why they even sold it. I think even John Lennon, after his heirs and all that, and, and what's the name? I, I saw him out at the Hamptons. Paul McCartney. I don't know why they sold that. They didn't need money. They sold that catalog. And like you pointed out, they're worth more now than than it was then. It was, it was crazy time. I mean, so so the owner of, of this catalog has the right to do what with that music? Gets the royalties every time a Beatles song is played. Anybody covers a Beatles song. Anytime somebody records a Beatles song. Yeah, well, that begs the question. Like you said, why the hell did they sell it? Yeah. I think I, Paul at some point tried to fight to get it back, but I don't yeah, know I think what I, with I recall that. I think hearing that. that oh yeah, but he wanted to try to no. get it. Back. What are you going to get? Yeah. You ain't going to get it back. You know, it's yeah. craziness. Well, if you could pay the price, you'll get it back. Yeah, right. it's, yeah. But I think I think now that catalog is beyond anyone's reach. Yeah, I think it's worth at least a billion dollars. At sure. least, and oh it's, it's, it's it's not going to go down any. No. I mean, uh, these no. Beatles, there's only two left. You know. No. Yeah. What kind of how much time we have left? Oh, we better get into. We have a little we over five minutes. Oh, great. Well, we got, well, I got so many. We could do two hours on the guy. But let's talk about he meets this wonderful lady. I'm, I'm, I'm out with him a lot, all over the flying all over the world out at this time. And he meets this girl, Nancy, an amazing girl, amazing young girl, never married and all that. And he goes after her. He marries her. The wedding they had was insane. And he promised her a house that no one will ever see or have again, which is very hard to phantom. But he built it. And anybody right now can go online and see Alan Malnick's house. Where is it? It's right outside of Palm Beach. It's, oh, you have the address on it. It's, it's a known fact. It's 42,000 square feet, the main house. Yeah. It has a guest house of 20,000 square feet, which houses his museum. And his, his little kids, like uh, Johnny Rockets, he bought, a fr he bought a franchise of Johnny Rockets and put it in there. Well, how young is his youngest now? His youngest right now is 11. Really? Oh, wow. And he's 87. Yeah, but this is his new. This is his I know new that babies. Wife, yeah, yeah. This yeah but is still, his new baby. Yeah. That's, I don't care how much money you have. Yeah, having having uh, kids when you're in your seventies will uh, will kill you. <laughs> you know? I, I don't. I don't think so. They All go to young, they, one they go they go to school in, in the Mercedes, that major bus 
that they make that mini 16th seat bus with special mm-hmm. interior. Yeah. I mean, he's got two jets. They're living. Uh, it sounds like it. No, I mean, you got to look at the house. So now, what I find very funny that I'm trying to get in is the pictures I sent you. I sent you a picture of me when I did the movie Lepke, where I played Albert Anastasia. And I had a machine gun on my, my hip. Right. Yeah. Well, I bought that machine gun from the properties manager. He said, you're going to get me killed. These guns are federal registered. I said, give me the freaking gun. I gave him an extra 500. I got it registered because I could do it in Nevada through my gun club and all that. I got it registered. They wanted to know who owned it. I owned yeah. it. So now Al Malik's moving into this house. He has the largest collection of Airte bronze statues in the world. Some of his are six foot high. The artwork in the house is over a billion dollars. He has the whole street closed down. Police surrounding, he has 360 lineal foot of beach, his own beach. The place is surrounded with cops. And yes, the, is he happy? Yes. No, is he happy? <laughs> He's ecstatic. <laughs> no, but the and the theme was Gatsby. That's the picture I sent you. That's the foyer of his house. It's sixty feet high. When you walk in, wow! Spirals. And it's just him and his wife. No, and the kids. The well, kids. Yeah, the kids live in the guest house, but it is him <laughs> and his wife in the main house. Yeah. So now, with all the security. I have my machine gun, and I, I don't know how people out there, very few sure, know that the fan machine gun holds 45, 45 rounds in it. Well, are you talking about a Thompson drum? Yep, that's it. Yeah, 50 rounds. Yep, I got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have it all cleaned. On, on the, I had a pla- plaque made, because I didn't know what to get for a house gift. <laughs> so I, the I man who has everything, a Thompson submachine gun. And I put on it. May this gift protect your house <laughs> in a bronze plaque. He, well, I he had it. He has it hanging in his 500-room wine cellar where you leave the dining room. It's big spirals. Hangers. You go downstairs. You can actually eat down there. But there's 500 bottles down there. And he has it hanging on this, on the, from the ceiling as you go down the steps. It's still there. But he has I'm a laughing. Lot of security, I would assume. Oh my God, yeah. But I'm laughing because I come in with this on my shoulder. Even the cops, the cops say, "Wow, what a great outfit!" Because I had the spats, the you know, the pinstripe suit that I sent you. Oh, so mm-hmm. you're dressed up like a gangster. Like a Gatsby area. They yeah, thought okay. it was a yeah. prop. Yeah. So I go in there, they're, they're the typical host. They're right at the front door saying hello to everybody with everybody giving you a glass of this, glass of that. I said, I can't believe the security. So I think I have about 200 people there, security. I said, really? I said, if I wanted to take you out, no, I could. I said, oh, yeah? I said, see this gun? It's real. He's what? <laughs> I, I pulled the bolt back. He saw the bolt. I said, he said, this is a real gun. I said, yeah. He says, you're never going to leave here with it. He said, you got it right. I gave it to him. It was the house gift. He read the plaque. He said, you're so nuts. <laughs> well, I, I tell you, what year did you give him that gun? I'll tell you exactly. The year 2000. Uh, it's worth a <laughs> lot of money. Yep. A lot, a lot of money. You can't even... An old beat-up Thompson. Now, well, that's operable, but all banged up and beat up. It's probably 50000 But Oh, my gosh. Uh, one that's in pristine shape. The triple, quadruple that. Easy. Well, look at it. It's on my hip. That new year 2000. Yeah. That's when they wow. moved into the house. They just celebrated 25 years of marriage. And I'm so, crazy. you know, he said, uh, what should we do with it? I said, well, I'm going to walk around with it for a while. He said, you're crazy. Yeah, why not? It was yeah. part of my costume. Yeah. They had Afghan hounds. I mean, he brought in people. But before we close, I know we're getting close. Never. As the twilight came in over the pool area, this is the epitome of wealth. Four helicopters came in, stabilized over the house, cables dropped down, and the cast of Circus Olay came from surrounding areas and got on the cables and did a show over the pool. That guy took my idea for Susan's birthday. He ruined the whole freaking thing. Oh, man. Oh, the guy's got some, he stole that from me. I'm going to have a word with this guy. <laughs> 
helicopters and circuits. Now you know why he's my mentor. <laughs> he's my mentor. And, and you know, and I've done a lot of great business deals because of him, and some I turned down because of him all over the world. This guy is so connected. Well, if he ever wants a book, let me know. Yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, we should do it. Yeah. The guy I yeah. knew. <laughs> I mean, to, to, to stay basically under the radar for that long, yeah. whatever he wants his legacy to be, because at this point it would be a legacy book. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, it would sell. It would sell numerous copies. But Oh, I'm sure. But but still, if he wants, it, if he wants a story told, let me know. He liked what Fair we idea. did with the book. He read it, you know. He read it. Oh, he's the one. All right. Yeah. yeah I got it. No, I mean, he read it. He read it when you sent it to me. Just that's to your see. favorite joke. If he wanted any names. That's my only joke. If he, if <laughs> I, no, wanted, a, I wanted to see if he wanted thing. any names removed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, yeah we, we didn't mention him in there. Yeah. Uh, well, that's reason. my mentor story for this week. And oh, anybody right. that. What a fascinating guy. Oh, but this guy, you got to really understand what he's doing. It's, it's still. It's amazing. And his son, Sharif, who's the oldest of the family, took over the forge, ran it, ran it and now just rebuilt it. It's opening right after this quarantine. Put another $10 million in it just to, yeah, the, the, just the to forge, clean it I mean, the forge doesn't even advertise. No, they don't need to. No. They're just there. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, I think, really? It's a, I think it's... I've never heard of a restaurant that doesn't Good for them. But you I'm ready for this? The phone number's listed. On, on, the, on the Black American Express card... That's listed as one of the top restaurants in the world. And yeah, they, that went there. Back and they the hold, yeah. you know how you have that card and you get your reservation anywhere? Sure. Yeah. Well, that's why they, they hold tables for them. And nice. Sharif well, took up right after his father, I mean. A life well lived. Oh, my mm -hmm. God, yeah. And I'm proud that, you know, he's my mentor and still my friend after Good 55 you. years. It's yeah. a great thing. It's amazing. Great story. Ready Thank to go to mailbag. <laughs> All right, let's do it. First one is from Brian. Brian says, firstly, Gianni and Pat, the book was amazing, and I got through it in no time. I couldn't put it down. I love how you're, you were able to take your life, Gianni, and with Pat's style of writing, turn it into something that I was able to picture as I was reading. Okay, now for my questions. Can you share any stories from your dealings in New Orleans and Louisiana? What was slash is your favorite restaurant in New Orleans? Um, <laughs> Moscow. Well, Moscow. I mean, Moscow isn't what it was. I, I, I go to the French Quarter. What do you like down there? I mean, it's been years since I've been there, but I forgot the name. I'm fried. This this restaurant. Uh, I wish I I knew. I wish that guy was asking questions. I'm gonna look it up. This restaurant. Antoine's. Was that Antoine's? What What is it? Antoine. Yes. Antoine yeah. on Friday to get in Antoine's. Yeah, my friend who who's in business with me down there, uh, Tim Brady. I'll say his name, Tim Brady. He puts one of his people, employee or employees, online at one or two o'clock in the morning to go to be there for lunch. They will not give you a lunch reservation. You gotta be online. I have to get there at what time? Well, he put somebody on at two in the morning, three yeah. in the morning. Uh, I, I was, you, many well, years ago, I went to Mardi Gras and I, I went to Antoine's. The best food. It's not like you'll get anywhere else. It's no. like, uh, Cajun, Patois. You know, and not only really, that, really the good. different bands that walk right through the restaurant, Megan, yeah. while you're eating. Wow. And if you like seafood, that's the place. Oh, to my go. God, yeah. yeah. Mm. I've never Friday, been to Louisiana. Friday afternoon, they open those French doors, and whoever's sitting in that down there is the who's who. Of somewhere, if just not New Orleans, and thank God Tim Brady's is the who's who. Yeah, that place has been there. They've had owners going back many, many, many years. Oh yeah, it goes yeah. through generations. Yeah, it's it's, a, it's the same family. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's your answer. That's mm -hmm. it. Right there up. you go. Yeah. All right. Next is from Paul Patrick. When did you begin teaching at the college level, and how many universities have you taught at? I'm sure your students must be so proud of your success. Well, thank you. That's probably one of my current students that wants an A. <laughs> they say nice things about me. I, I got. A, I did. I had no intentions of of, of, uh, of teaching. I got a call about 20 years ago from uh, the head of the criminal justice department at a local university, who uh, read one of my books. You know, one thing about teaching, uh, of course, you have to have a college education to teach. Uh, usually, uh, a uh, graduate degree, which I had at the time. In fact, I 
I got a, I got more degrees than a thermometer. That said, Whoa. he had read one of That's my. That's a new books. joke. <laughs> no, no joke. I got to remember that. He had the read one of my books, and he said, hey, well, "You know, come on in here. You know, I want to talk to you." And he said, "He offered me a job right there." I'd never thought about teaching. It never crossed my mind. And, uh, you know, as they say, the rest is history. And I, I taught at California University of Pennsylvania, John Jay College of Criminal Justice, Seton Hill University Graduate School, uh, Westmoreland Community College, uh, School of Hard Knocks. That's in there somewhere. Uh, yeah, I enjoy it now. You know, it's one of the few careers, and I have to list it as a career because I've been doing it for so long, that's actually rewarding. Being a cop, you're locking people up, giving them bad news. Same thing with being a private investigator. Writing is a solitary business. I mean, you'd sit in a room for eight hours with no window and your underwear and you write. Uh, in fact, that's a picture on the back of one of my books. And then I'm in my underwear writing a book. <laughs> now I know why nobody bought that book, so I stopped that with the next one. But teaching, you get something out of it. You know, I mean, I'm still hearing from my students I had 20 years ago, literally. They that's call right. me, tell me how they're doing. I still offer advice. It's rewarding. And what can we say about how many things we do in life? That are, are are rewarding. Well, I'll be, call, I'll be calling you twenty years from now too. Well, I know, I'm, I'm sure you will. So I <laughs> you can taught me a question, lot. but I, thank you for asking it. it. It brings back a lot of nice memories. That's great. All right, next is from Dennis Gianni. How do you feel about the emergence of modern technology and social media has affected the growth and development of your career? Without it, I don't know if I have a career. I mean, look at the Godfather. We're just renewing. We've been. I've been talking with Paramount, not me directly. My people, my people are talking to their people. But you uh, have people. I don't, I don't have people. <laughs> but uh, people. we're getting very, very much involved with modern technology. Uh, as early as June one this year, our online store goes up with all the quarterly-owned products from The Godfather. That's which, great. Which I'm a part of, and um, we're developing different SKUs. Over the next three years, and we're doing a major, major launch and part of the launch of the 50th anniversary of Godfather One, and we're the mm -hmm. only company outside of Paramount that's involved with it, which I think is an honor. And it looks that I, I don't want to be optimistic and jinx us in any way. It looks like we're probably going to wind up with Paramount Viacom producing our 10-hour miniseries. That's amazing. Based on our book. Based on our book. Hollywood Godfather. We're getting, we're, we're getting very close, and when we when we do, we're going to have a hell of an episode. Well, it's we'll, funny. We'll by, I think by time this time, by this time this year, <laughs> we could we could announce it that it's been done. That's yeah. going to be great. That'll yeah. be nice. Yeah. I can't wait for that. All right. Next is from Jenny. Jenny says, there's an interesting part of your book, Hollywood Godfather, where Frank Costello laments about discrimination against Italians. Have either Gianni or Patrick experienced any discrimination regarding their ethnicity? Fantastic podcast. Haven't missed an episode. Oh, I got a good story. Great. You want to go first? Yeah. I, I, my, to me, the, I never had it. I, I always stood with Italians. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say that. <laughs> Italians going, how are they going to discriminate right. against uh, they, they, you? Know, they used to call each other Guinea. Uh, that we, you know, well, if, if you want one, you can call yourself one. Yeah. Hold on. No problem. I tell you what, what happened to me when I went on the NYPD, I get a call from my investigator one day. Because you get investigated when you come on the job. You have to sit for an interview, which I never did due to the life and times of the 60s. That said, I get a call from uh, whoever handled the investigations for recruits. And they said, uh, we're having a problem with your application. Because when you fill out an application, it's a veritable book. It's like 150 pages, and I'm not lying, with every possible thing you've ever done in your life and then some. They ask wow. everything. And I said, what's the problem? They said, you gave us a phony name. I said, what? They said, you didn't use your first, your, your correct first name. I said, Oh, huh? my gosh. I said, I mean, I'm 21 years old. I know what my name is. They said, you put down Patrick Piccarelli on your application? I said, yes, I did. He said, your first name is not Patrick. You, and they were right. My first what? name is, yeah, and I never knew it. My first name is Patsy. Patsy. Now, as, as Gianni, yes, it is. And I never knew that until I went on the NYPD. And Gianni will attest to this. And in immigrant families, whether you're Italian or some other ethnic group, they try to anglicize everything. They want to make you an American. 
So my mm-hmm. father, who was born here, but his parents weren't, and uh, I used to turn up uh, two centuries ago when, when they came here, everything got turned into an American name. The day I was born, they started calling me Patrick. I never saw my birth certificate. Right. My military records are Patrick. Everything is Patrick. Well, that's not my name. So, so they, they gave you an Italian name on your yeah. birth certificate. Right. Why did you become an American Irishman, Patrick? I don't, well, I had a twin sister named, uh, named Patricia. Maybe that had something to do with it. Uh, I don't, but I never knew that. Uh-huh. All, all through the military, they never questioned me. But so what they were questioning was, and this is where the discrimination part comes in, that I was trying to hide something in my ethnicity that might have had something to do with the infamous mafia. Oh, so yeah. my response was, well, if I was going to change something, wouldn't it be my last name? You, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, really now, you know, uh, I said, I, I honestly didn't know. And I didn't know. And I obviously, it didn't, right. you know, they uh, papers had to be changed. So I, I am. That's my real name. My real name is Patsy. Wow. And your parents never told you your real name was Patsy. That's funny. Never, never well, came up. So that means you, you, you own the name of the restaurant on 56th Street. They go, hey, by the way, that's mine, and I'm going to lay claim to that place. There you go. <laughs> They're using my name. That's no, that's uh, – I would call that discrimination in, in, for the fact that they uh, they thought I was mixed up. My right. family was connected. Wow. Which is, that's you know, crazy. untrue that I know of, and I'll swear to it. There you go. Good. Yeah. All right, next is from Brian. Brian says, did you ever have any dealings with the Dixie Mafia, in parentheses, not Italian, Gianni? No. No. I've never even heard that. The Dixie Mafia is organized crime, and they wanted to use the name Mafia. They come from the South, therefore Dixie Mafia. That's all. Uh, A lot of people are using Mafia as the organization, not not who they are. Yeah, the Mafia. They uh, they just take the Mafia, like the Irish Mafia, the Russian Mafia. Right, just uh, use the term. Right. But uh, they're a bunch of rednecks, and uh, you know, like any other criminal organization, they're not nice people. Yeah. Mm, got it. I, but I've never had any dealings with them. No. Yeah. All right. Next is from Chucky from South Africa. Chucky says, hi, Gianni and all. I love your podcast. What a full and exciting life you have led. Wow. Did you ever meet Johnny Ray? If if so, what was he like? Much the, love. The singer? Johnny Ray? Just I love Johnny that. Ray. Johnny yeah, Ray. the singer. And you know what's so funny? I, have to, I cannot believe somebody from South Africa is asking us a question. This Sunday, out of the blue, Magdala Cooper, who ran for president two years ago for Africa, called me. I'm a close friend of hers. She was just which, which country? Africa. Africa. Liberia. No, she look up Magdala. Oh, oh Nigeria, okay. Yeah. Oh, Nigeria? Yeah. Okay. Magdala Cooper, look this girl up. Brilliant philanthropist. She's probably in her late 30s. She called me this Sunday because she was seeing all the damage in New York and wanted to make sure I was okay. Oh, oh my God. How do you know her? I met her years ago. We were coming to my clubs, and I, I stayed in touch with her. I mean, she, but I didn't know she ran for president. She's running again in 23 now. But, and now we get a letter from, my, uh, from South. I went to South Africa. Did you know that? What I was went, that? I went to South Africa, and I Did went. You? O- yeah, I went over to. They had a, a, a casino over there called Sun City, which Sal. Kers- oh, that's a big casino. Sal Kersner. Then he yeah, built, he built yeah. everything else, and I brought the, I brought all the black acts over there. He said, "You're kidding me." I brought Sam, know, Sammy Davis the, there, Dion Walk in there. The writer uh, uh, talks about Johnny Ray, coincidentally, our guest of several weeks ago. Uh, Mark Shaw wrote about Dorothy Kilgallen. Uh, was a famous journalist. Well, any, anybody can you know listen to the episode, but uh, she was married, but having an affair with Johnny Ray oh. for years. Well, she a had a lot. Time. I didn't want to say it to Mark. Mark, you know, Mark, I can touch me this week. I know. I got the same email. Is that he funny? Found, uh, he found Marilyn Monroe's personal telephone book. Marilyn Monroe's personal telephone book, and he found it. He, yeah, yeah, he got. He's it. He's a great researcher, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And he he yeah. sent me the one page. For Lily Dashay on 56th Street. She had the oh, phone. no way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which yeah, I thought I was great. I was waiting. Did you respond to him? I figured you'd, oh, you'd, no, of course I did. Okay, yeah, I, did get, I didn't see that. No, yeah. Anyway, Johnny Ray and Dorothy uh, Kilgallen were an item for years and uh, because her and her husband slept in separate bedrooms. 
Bridget Coleman was an actor, but uh, Johnny Ray was gay. Yeah. I mean, he was, uh, you know, he did not well, hide. she had a lot of gay the, friends. Not to hide it in the early 1950s. That's a big deal. Right. You well, know, but, you know the uh, guy who got away with it all the time was Johnny Mathis. Yeah, well, he sort of never really disputed anything. But I'm saying, but nobody, look, how, he was a major star. Nobody knew he was gay unless you're really close to him. Johnny Mathis is still around. Johnny Ray died. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Years ago. yeah. Hmm. If that's for me, I'm not here. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, Johnny Ray, I, I, she was a hell of a singer, though. Boy. Oh, my God. Uh, a song ever. called Cry. Oh, Cry. I mean, it, it just makes it's. I saw him live at the Desident Hotel. He's a good singer. Huh. I saw him at li live performing at the Desident Hotel in Vegas. Yeah, I mean, he must have been great live, I can imagine. Oh, my God, yeah. In fact, I saw Bobby Darren do his last live performance just before he died. Yeah, 37 years old. Yep. Wow. Found out that his, uh, I don't know how I know all these little inconsequential facts. He found out uh, when he was an adult that uh, the woman who was passing herself off at his aunt was actually his mother. Right. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, but Bobby Darren was Italian. What was his name? Do you remember his name, Johnny? No, I remember. I, yeah, I know he's Italian, but I don't know his name. Cacciatore, or was, or was that chicken Cacciatore? No, that, <laughs> that was his cousin. It started with a C, I remember. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, yeah, great singer. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, boys, that's all I have for tonight. Okay, Thanks. well, we concluded so. another great hour. Thank you, Pat. Thank you, Megan. Oh, you're quite welcome. Thank you. Um, Call your friends, right, subscribe. We need, we need, what do we need? We need reviews. reviews. iTunes reviews. What, what kind of reviews? iTunes. iTunes reviews. ITunes. Specific yeah. ones. We need iTunes reviews or we're going to come looking for you. You hear me? <laughs> <laughs> we know where you live. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for right. inviting us to your home. Good night. Good night, everybody. All right. Good night, guys. If you're feeling sad and lonely, there's a service I could render. I'm the one who loves you only. I could be so warm, so tender. Call me. Don't be afraid, you can call me. Maybe it's late, but just call me. Tell me and I'll be around. Or when it seems your friends desert you. Thank you for tuning in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. You can contact Gianni Russo, Patrick Picciarelli, or myself with your questions and comments through the contact section of our website, hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com. You can also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038. Regarding Gianni's motivational speaking appearances, you can visit his website, giannirusso.com. You can also visit amazon.com for a listing of books Patrick Picciarelli has written. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Hollywood Godfather Podcast, as well as leave us a review on iTunes. If you'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your emails and voicemails. Good night.